Rusty Quill presents. Welcome to Ain't Slayed Nobody. This is an actual play podcast intended for adults and may contain material that some people find disturbing. Please see the episode notes for content warnings and listen with care. If you found our show from Graham Patrick's guest writing on episode three of the Magnus Protocol, you might want to start with one of the campaigns he wrote on. Y'all of Cthulhu, our first ever season, is a complete horror campaign in the Old West. Next, we have Bleaker Trails, which is in the same setting. That has one complete season, and the final season is coming late in 2024. And if you're looking for something shorter and science fiction, we have a six-episode Blade Runner series. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you around. Our Discord is slade.me slash discord. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Lady Liggett, open up. I've brought a pair in need of judgment. So I see. I just need to be sure, Dot. The dancer, she might be trouble. I need a reading on her. The other one, I think I know. Oh. Well, lucky for you, that is my specialty. <laughs> Leave him with me, Otis. Put on the show, you know, scare them. <laughs> Please, will you both enter the domain of the mystic? I am needed elsewhere. Cross the threshold and leave the realm of the living behind. After you, Ms. Moni. Oh, indeed. The spirits are awakened by the turmoil in your souls. Sit now and let me look into your eyes. Oh, boy. Maybe he just wants a second character opinion. Beyond the veil, they whisper. There is great sadness there. You are known to us. I wish I could say the same, ma'am, but the pleasure is all ours. Ah, your questioning eyebrows tell me the spirits will like you. <laughs> it has been foretold. However, your friend has the attention of the professor. The skulls will judge you, but I am intrigued. Will you gift to me your mortal names? Moni. Fire! Fire! Oh, God. Quiet, you. Apologies for Waldo. And your mortal name? Patience. Killer! Ma'am, if you don't mind introducing your bird to other pronouns, I would appreciate it. Oh, he knows. I believe he said killer. <laughs> but he also likes enunciation. Uh, he is a lazy bird. Killer! Killer! Okay. <laughs> well, let us turn to your fate. Why does the professor fear the dancer, and yet not the gunslinger? Oh, is that not in the cards? <laughs> Your hand. Moni, quick. Give it to me. Okay. Try to relax as I trace your lifeline and peer into your past. Now your heart line to lay bare your lies. Then the fate line. 
In the realm of the mystic, Dot Liget sits on cushions like an old high priestess in purples and white. A low table sits in front of the mystic, supporting a crystal ball flanked by cat skulls. Liget watches with milky white eyes as she traces the curvature of Moni's hand with a practiced flourish. She pours a viscous liquid over your hand, thick and rank. Give me a hard power roll for Moni. Ooh. Damn, a hard one? Coming out swinging. So she hit a 27 under 47. I am five points away from a hard. I'm going to choose not to spend the luck on it. Interesting. Patience watches as Moni's eyes roll back, and she slumps unconscious. Oh. The scent from burning oils affects your senses, Patience, and the interior of the wagon swims. The colored tapestries come to life. Uh-oh. Vividly, the lithe shapes curl around dancing candles. Lightheaded, you watch the crystal ball set before you marble and churn. The wagon has melted away, Moni. You can't exactly place it, but the walls and furnishings are patchworks from bygone brothels. Stitched together, they form your vision. The swish of your blue dress is mesmerizing as it swirls at impossible angles, like you're sinking into an ocean. The deadening thrum of a piano player near the wall hits the same note over and over and over. Oh God, that's so creepy. (laughs) Painted ladies walk with an ungraceful shuffle around the brothel floor intent on pleasing customers who are not there. Their makeup tries to hide the sickly pallor of waxy skin. One thing she would really appreciate to do is just the closest girl that she can get to, she'll do like the, put her hand on their chin and see if she recognizes any of these individuals. This face is unmistakably Addison's. And she's decomposing in front of your eyes, with worms wriggling under her skin. She screams. And everyone in the brothel turns to look at you with vacant eyes. The ducts of her eyes are going to fill up when she sees Addison's face. The piano player turns to look, and his face has been torn away. You know from the way he's dressed, it's Milford. Oh, He continues hammering that single note on the piano. In the very back of the brothel, there's a stage you didn't even notice before. In the center, a giant lotus flower. The black lotus blooms, and from it a gunslinger is born. Standing at its heart with hollow eyes, the figure stares in your direction. Your skin crawls into goosebumps as the dead women push past, moving in time to the dreaded note. They parade themselves toward the stage as the patchwork brothel burns around you. The crick of a pistol hammer draws you back to the flower, and you see the green glint of uncaring eyes. Patience pulls the trigger. 
don't react, don't say any names, don't react, don't say any names. And when she hears the click of that gun, okay, maybe this will be what wakes me up. And she's just going to very quickly turn around. Moni, you wake staring at Patience's peridot eyes. You don't think they notice as their left hand lets go of the bone-handled forty-five. Oh, she returns to us. <laughs> Good. Is your desire clear to you now, my dear? I, I, then she's looking at Patience, horrified, mortified, but also like relieved and grateful. And then she finally looks over to Leggett and says, I saw enough. She leans toward you. Bridget, give me a sanity check for Moni. Oh, for sure. And she keeps telling herself, just don't react, don't react, don't react, don't react. Okay, that's a 17 under her 45 on the sand. Okay, good. You're not going to lose any sanity for that. Thank God. It was just a vision, just a dream. How does Patience look? Patience looks about the same as when you first sat down. But looking slightly concerned at your shocked and startled face. The mystic studies Moni deeply through those milky eyes. The professor missed something in you. You have potential. Addison! Shut up, you stupid bird! Mm, Well, thank you for your time. I think I have everything I need here. Mystic Leggett settles back into her seat and stares ahead blankly, like a wax figure. Ms. Moni, are you, uh, all right? I am. I do have some questions, though, uh, perhaps outside of the inquiring ears of Waldo here. And she knows she's saying this out loud in front of the fortune teller. She just doesn't care. And she's glaring at this bird. <laughs> Fire! Oh, God, that was creepy, too. Without the distraction of the mystic, why don't both of you give me spot hidden rolls? (laughs) I failed. (laughs) Uh, Regular success for Moni. On the success, Moni notices depleted vials of opium and dried poppies among the collection. Maybe she partakes. Madame Leggett and Waldo by the sounds of it. Uh, Patience, shall we? I rather think so. So I'll get to my feet and uh, extend a hand to help Moni up if she'll take it. Oh, for sure she'll take it. And I'll open the door for her and politely nod my head towards Madame Leggett. She ignores you when you open the door, staring ahead like a statue. The candles gutter and go out without even a breeze. Only the black of night remains. Well, I take that to mean you're going to be working with us, Ms. Moni. Well, it appears we, with your help, passed the second interview. Hey, when I was asleep, did I speak? No, ma'am, you didn't say anything. A little concerned when you seemed to just sort of pass out, but, uh, didn't say nothing. You're sure? Not a a whisper, a mutter, nothing? There was a bit of shaking, some sweating, but uh, not a word. 
Oh, she's going to chew on her tongue and throw a look back at that wagon in just pure distaste. Professor Bleeker finds Julius waiting as it starts to rain. Flickering torchlight in the dead of night sets a macabre mood as Bleeker attends small puncture wounds on his left hand. Sorry about that. Some matters just won't wait, and we needed the witching hour. Walk with me. You you look worried, Julius. Grizzly business dying alone. I am pleased to see that you care. A man of integrity, I have no doubt. And you are here as my guest. I feel obligated to smooth this over for you. It will take a few days and cost me favors, but I can veil your crime. Oh, um, well, if you say so, but, um... That is that is disturbing news. Uh, I, I I never intended for that to happen. It is disturbing. Give me a sand check for <laughs> for Julius. I shouldn't have used that word. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fail. Give me a D four. One. Okay. Julius did not know Earl, so the murder is upsetting but not breaking. I'd like to get you on the last train to College Station. Hmm. Oh, yes. I'm quite familiar, actually. I have a contact there. A friend. She is a brilliant botanist, Dr. Jane Hackett. She's requested my help, and I want you to go see her on my behalf. I would have gone, of course, but as you know, I'm very busy. Her details are vague, but I trust her fully, and she can debrief you on the situation. You're a brawny man with great intellect. I'm sure you can handle whatever this is. Yes, but hopefully not like last time. That's... My approach will be more discreet this time, Bleeker. Oh, come now. Don't dwell. But do try to avoid killing innocents this time. I'll do my best. Uh, But you said that this is a professor. College station. You know, there's learning. Yes, your limitless curiosity will surely be stimulated by a college campus and a scientific luminary. Dr. Hackett has shared with me countless stimulating concoctions. I've even used some of her formulations in my elixirs, Julius. Oh, if she has any new samples, do bring them back to me. Hmm. Keep an open mind and stay gone for at least two days. Okay. By the time you return, it will be like nothing ever happened. Here, I've drawn you a map to Dr. Hackett's home, and I've written you a note for the train conductor if he should ask for a ticket. Interesting. Everyone around here owes me a favor, Julius. And you will, too. One more thing. Do be mindful of the vagrants. Word spreads fast around here. Thank you for the heads up on that. Oh, and while you're away, I will look after your things myself. Okay, all right. Um, you can have the leotard as well. There you go. Ah, yes, evidence. We can't have anyone finding that. He takes the leotard off you on the end of his cane and looks around, trying to decide what to do with it. (laughs) Shrugging, he holds it at arm's reach and walks back toward the camp. I am going to ask you for a stealth roll as you walk this area, with hobos dwelling all around the station. Yes. Oh yeah, 63 versus 20, failure. 
you almost make it across the platform unseen. But as you near the train, a group of beggars spots you. The filthy men stagger to their feet, drinking from brown-bagged bottles. They surround you as the train prepares to depart. All aboard! Hey, killer! Murderer! See if he's got any money. I suggest you get out of my face before there's trouble. He takes a half step back, considering your threat. Look at him. Your purple ain't your color. You should wear yellow. Get him, Floyd. We know what you did to Earl. Oh, if Gertrude don't kill you, we will. London, give me an intimidate roll for Julius. Okay, um, <laughs> 76 versus 50, but I would like to push the roll if I can. He leans forward as others close in behind you. Now what's we supposed to be scared of you for, eh? I laughed my tits off when I saw Gertrude dunk you in that barrel. How humiliating. <laughs> um, Julius is just going to lean in even further. Sort of just making sure there's no space between him and this vagrant that's sort of rushed him. Kill him, Floyd! Kill him! The hobo smashes his bottle on a bench as the train starts to pull out, the hissing steam gushing out over the platform. Cut his throat! You don't scare anyone, killer! Is that so? Uh... <laughs> ah, nope, alright, nope, nope, okay. Hit me with it! Okay. <laughs> that was a 93 versus 50. Yikes. The man lunges at you with an ugly smile and a lancing pain shoots up your side. You look down and see he has jammed the bottle into your thigh. Go to hell, meathead. That's enough, Floyd. Don't kill him. That's for Earl. Now get the hell away from me. You're not going to kill me too. You take three damage. The other hobos are pushing you back toward the tracks. Julius just sort of puts his hands to the wound, sort of, you know, applying pressure, making sure the bleeding doesn't get too out of hand. And he just looks at this group, looks back down at his leg, and just begins to just stumble off a little bit just towards the train. London, give me a strength roll for Julius. See if you can fight your way out of the mob and onto the train. All right. Success. <laughs> That's right. Run, you fucking coward! Yeah, stay out of junction. Show your face here again. I'll cut it for you, pretty boy. See you soon. A hail of bottles smashes against the side of the train around you, covering you in moonshine. Julius doesn't break eye contact. You sink to the floor of the nearly empty train bound for College Station and watch Junction and your troubles disappear into the night. Does anyone see this dog? Let's return to the campsite later that evening. Chester notices the compere walking in his direction. He prances over when he recognizes you. Oh, it's so good to see you. 
Are you prepared to speak with Professor Bleeker? I don't know. I would assume. Have you heard anything? Yes. Good fortune is shining on your luxuriant fur today. You are one of the wonders of the world. People will come from all over to see the wolf boy howl. As such, the professor wishes to meet with you urgently at his curiosity wagon. A most unusual rendezvous. <laughs> and I would like to see the professor. Well, then say no more. The compere grabs Chester by a tuft of fur and hurries him across the camp to a heavy conestoga. It glistens in the moonlight, wet from the short and sudden downpour. The sides seem to be customized to open to show what might be held inside. Above, a sign says, Bleakers, believe it or not, mysteries of the desert. Leave us, Pinky. The silhouette steps forward into the crackling torchlight and resolves into an imposing figure dressed in a fitted red jacket and matching top hat. With a start, the compere jumps out of his skin as he looks over his shoulder before scurrying into the shanty town of tents. <laughs> Chester, was it? You are marvelous, aren't you? Wow. I had no idea your condition was so advanced. I do believe I received your correspondence. He removes a scalpel from his jacket, hesitates, then puts it back in his pocket. <laughs> ah, you are unique, aren't you? Worthy of research, perhaps? Wouldn't you like to know more about what you are, Chester? Yes. You've come to the right place. The way you handled Randy was exquisite. Uh-huh. Confidence in the face of danger is quite valuable to me. We will peel back your layers, Chester, and get to the bones of it. Don't you worry. The professor leads you around the secure wagon. He unlocks and opens up the sides. And you'll see a glow coming from the inner walls, a rock collection blanketed by luminous fungal growths. I harvested these from the deep caves. Aren't they fascinating? Wonderful. Bleeker pushes aside all manner of treasures as he rifles through his collection, trying to find something to impress you. The air around this wagon sets Chester's teeth on edge. Ah. He carefully removes a frame with a glass front. Inside, you see an ordinary letter opener. This is a special piece, one of my treasures. This letter opener cuts through bone, crumbles stone, and pierces iron. Do you believe me? <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> see here. Yep. He gently removes the letter opener from the frame, studies it for a moment, then slices off a large clump of fur from Chester's arm. Oh, I'm sorry if that was painful. Science is sometimes unpleasant. Bleeker removes a jar from the wagon and sets Chester's hair inside. He secures a lid and stuffs it inside the cabinet, which seems to be filled with other jars of unfamiliar contents. You are a fascinating beast, Chester. We must study you to understand your full potential. 
No, no, no. You take something of mine, I take something of yours. Let me see that letter opener. I suppose you can hold it for a moment. I will. Use soft hands with that now. Wonderful. And I will uh, slip it within the folds of my fur. (laughs) Now, Chester, you can't take my things. I thought you merely wanted a closer look. (sighs) You can't simply take my hair. Give me a persuade roll, but it has to be extreme. <laughs> okay, let me see what I got. I got a 10. <laughs> I have a 10, so let's see. Okay, so you need a 2. It's a success. It's not extreme, but I could use 7 luck. You could. I feel like that's a good weapon to have. Something that could cut through anything. How big is this knife? It's the size of a letter opener, engraved with an insignia for the U.S. Department of the Interior. You bastard. (laughs) Okay, very good. All right, I'm at 43 luck. You know, I'll let you hold on to that for now. But you return it when I ask. Is that fair? (sighs) We'll see when the time comes. (laughs) Indeed, we will. Now let me see what else I have for you. He searches the wagon and pauses at one of the drawers before opening a cabinet. No. Where is it? He removes a jar of black sludge beneath a layer of white smoke. His face turns as he unscrews the top and takes a whiff. Then he dips his fingers into the sludge. This'll be quick. He quickly attempts to stick two slimy fingers into Chester's mouth. (laughs) Do you want to try to dodge him? I would love to try to dodge this, Cub. (laughs) Okay, I am doing my dodge and I failed the dodge. Okay, he succeeds. The taste is unpleasant, to say the least. Like a blend of black licorice and formaldehyde. Just a matter of science. He withdraws his fingers and plays with the tacky substance between his thumb and forefinger. The white fog in the jar of sludge dissipates, revealing a forked tail. Oh my god! Chester, this is the tale of an adolescent night gaunt. What the f- fuck is a night god? It's best you don't know for now, but do let me know if you experience any ill effects. Ah, uh, okay, man. He studies your eyes. <laughs> I really hate this. Can we leave? Are you done showing me things and putting things in me? Just one more thing. A trifle, really. Do you like to dance? Here, I have these pants. (laughs) He unrolls a pair of short pants that appear to be made of leathery flesh. (laughs) I will not try these pants. These are dead man's pants, Chester. These would be an honor to wear. A skinned lower half of a true wizard. And look, intact. This lucky wizard was quite well endowed, I think you'll agree. And that's supposed to make me want to put these on? Ah, Chester, you need to be more open-minded. 
You are unique to science. Let's not waste this opportunity. Perhaps we need to bring in an expert. <laughs> I will not be putting these pants on and I will be leaving now. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the dagger. We will talk soon. Yes, do report back. Oh, oh and take this. He hands you a bottle of his magical tonic. Drink a teaspoon every day and record your findings. Report back to me every day that you're in camp. I'm sorry if this experimentation was abrupt, but we have no time to waste. Aggressive. Meanwhile, Eli notices the compare walking in his direction. He seems to be shooing away a man following him, a performer carrying a torch that isn't lit. They haven't spotted you in the shadows. It wouldn't be in character to just go strike up conversation with them, so I'm just going to let them roll on. <laughs> but you're not hiding from them? No, no, not at all. Okay, then the compare eventually notices you lurking and smiles slightly. He turns to the other man, snapping his fingers. Okay, merci Jimmy, come see me later. I have serious matters to discuss with our magical friend here. Help me reset the stage for our next performance. Could I just... Uh... And Jimmy, it will not be your performance. Not tonight. Okay. All right, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll catch up with you. Jimmy drops his shoulders and slinks back toward the stage. Ah, the great Arcanum! Thank you for saving me from that wooden-headed creature. He will be the death of me, I'm sure. Oh. I have had our fortune teller confirm it. I pity the brave soul which gets saddled with him. But uh, it is a surprise to find you wandering so far from your tent. Have you lost your way? I don't believe that I have. Thank you. Uh, is there anything I can help you with? I would encourage you to stay clear of Victor's animal cages until everything returns to normal. I'm not really into animals, actually. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> As I said, I'm not really into animals. Uh, we got our signals crossed here. I apologize. I am French. Anyway, I leave you to it. We've had some exhilarating performances today, and I need to help our newest arrivals find their way. And then I walk off. You disappear. <laughs> you smoke bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, as Eli walks back through the campsite, all eyes seem to be focused on the center stage, and you find yourself alone at Bleecker's sales wagon. Emblazoned with slogans, the yellow wagon is lined with cabinets showcasing all manner of cures and miracles. The aroma. There's a thick smell back here, but you can't quite place it. A sign reads, Professor Bleeker's Magical Elixir, one dollar. Okay. If I go poke around that wagon, will anybody see me poking around that wagon? We can find out if you'd like to get closer. I, and so I shall. Give me a stealth roll. Yeah, I'm not doing anything wrong. There's no, it's not illegal to look at things. You'll get a bonus die because Shadow is one of your pulp talents. Hard success, 22. A few people pass by without noticing Eli. You know they'll need this wagon to sell to the punters after the show ends. 
You have a few minutes at most. Testing the cabinets, they all appear locked. But you discover more cupboards and drawers on closer inspection, cleverly built into the wagon's design. Perhaps they hold stage props or more lotions and potions. There's really no way of knowing. A familiar voice catches your attention, however, and watching the wagon adjacent, you see Bleeker talking to a dog man before jamming his hands into the poor thing's mouth. Just a matter of science. I would like to just pick one at random that I feel like is going to have the coolest thing in it. Okay. (laughs) And I want to pick the lock. Okay, we'll let the dice decide. First, give me a lock pick roll. I succeeded with a 29. On a regular success, you easily pick the lock, and inside you find a piece of paper. It looks like a letter... There's also a small brass ring loose in the drawer. Does the ring have anything on it? Is it just plain brass? Is it inscribed? In the dying light, you don't see much. It is quite small, though, about the right size for Eli's pinky. Okay, I think what I'm going to do is slip those into my pocket and close up that drawer and relock it before anybody sees me. I mean, I guess I could read the note. Okay, you'll have to hurry if you'd like to do anything else. You can hear the compare approaching. Oh, it's so good to see you. Yeah, I need to read that letter. You hold the paper to the light. To Otis Bleeker. I have received your letter on the soporific plants for your concoctions and looked into the properties for what you propose. It is possible to gain a forced state of dreaming using these methods, and I have been told a gentleman was asking the same questions perhaps a year ago. I hear he was performing experiments at one of the prisons. I wasn't teaching here as yet, so the details from my predecessor are only vague notes. Please do visit again. I have new tea hybrids ready for harvest I think you will enjoy. Yours faithfully, Dr. Jane Hackett. Alrighty. Walking over to the lamp, Eli did spot bottles of magical elixir, just sitting there in rows, ripe for the taking. Oh, okay, I'd like to sneak one of those. This is risky with Bleeker nearby, and you can hear the musicians on the main stage finishing up. The crowd will be coming to queue for these bottles soon. Even if they're watching me, what if they can't even tell I did anything? Give me a sleight of hand roll, then. That's an extreme success with a four. Oh, wow. You can take two bottles if you'd like. And I will. Magicians always have secret pockets. It's all part of the act. That's where the scarves and shit go. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Or playing cards, right? Stuff like that. Dead doves, you know, (laughs) the whole whole nine yards. (laughs) Speaking of dead doves, let's check back in with Chester, who's at the wagon next door with Bleeker. Sure. Now, if you don't mind, I have an important meeting. Off you go. Before you get to respond, you're interrupted. Oh, how's my favorite beast? I hope you have the most insightful conversation. You could say that. You'd be wrong, but... (laughs) You turn and see the compare, and when you turn back, Bleeker has already locked the wagon. He's headed over to another bright yellow one, 
as customers from the Late Show start to line up for their last chance to buy for the night. A man dressed in all black nudges past you, and you think you hear the light clink of bottles as he moves into the crowd. Have you secured lodging for your stay in Junction? No, I have not. I was hoping you could help me with that. Ah, oh, I could have sworn on my very life the professor made arrangements for you at the livery. Perhaps the animal cages would suit you better. <laughs> no? Uh, maybe a tent. A tent? I don't mind checking with Maud at the livery. It's fine. I'll take the tent. Ah, uh, but we are filling up fast. Uh, I suppose I could make it work if you are willing to share a tent with a friend. I don't have friends. Oh, uh, forgive me. Uh, I just assumed someone with such charisma would have an entourage. Come, let me see if we can find you a soulmate. Oh, I know just the man. Yes, you are going to love him. I am sure. The two of you walk among the tents before the compare declares you have arrived by pulling back the flap and calling inside. Hello? Are you decent? Is that you, Pinky? C come on in. Psst, come on. Inside, you'll see a man sitting on a rolled-up bedroll. This man might be in his early 20s, wearing sharp brown trousers and a partially buttoned white shirt. There's a wash basin in the corner and a small table and chair on the opposite side. The dirt floor is sparsely covered with straw. And that man is taken aback by your appearance, Chester. He falls backward over the bedroll. Jimmy, be polite. Now this is Chester, and he is our favorite new act. He's just met with the professor, and I'm instructed to show him the ropes. That's where you come in. Wow, you got to speak to Professor Bleeker? Yes. Do people not often get to talk to Professor Bleeker? I don't, but I suppose it's not that unusual. Man, I'd give anything to look like you. You're something else. Ah, look at this blossoming friendship. How do they say, uh, like two pairs in a pod? I'll leave you both to it, okay? Do you require anything else for now, Chester? Nope, that'll be it. I I'd like some fresh water, Pinky. <laughs> anyway, enjoy your visit, Chester. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy sits back down on the bedroll, looking at Chester eagerly. What's your act? Did you tear open a goat with your teeth? Fight a bear? Man, this is gonna be fun. You can teach me how to howl. Oh! I, I really am not, I don't have the patience for this right now. I'm sorry. Don't be offended. I meant nothing by it. He extends his hand. Name's Jimmy. Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Is he a cow He's a cowboy. <laughs> He has the helmet hair, but no other similarities. Duly noted. As Jimmy sits there waiting for you to shake his hand, he looks like a kicked puppy with porcelain blue eyes. He's unkempt other than his helmet of golden hair. He eventually takes the hint and pulls back his hand. So you think maybe we'll be in the same traveling company? Maybe that's why Pinky brought you to me. Traveling company? 
Well, sometimes Bleecker sends groups out to sell his wizard oil. They get to go all over, man. Even outside of Texas. I've been here a month now. I'm sure my turn will come up soon. What's your act, Jimmy? Well, Pinky says I'm pretty good at a lot of things. But I haven't found my calling quite yet. Right now I'm trying fire-eating. He points over to a bucket holding unlit torches. It's surrounded by jars of clear liquid. I've done a little juggling, some joke-telling, gymnastics, singing. He pulls a harmonica out of his trouser pocket. No, please, please put that back. Please put that back. He does reluctantly. Thank God. I get it. You got hypersensitive ears or something. Jimmy rolls over. That's okay. I'll be your best friend. And within a minute, you hear him snoring. Mm, A friend. Let's fast forward to the next morning, assuming that everyone will return to camp to see if Professor Bleeker has new work. Chester and Eli, your tents are drenched in morning sun, and through the thin canvas, you hear a commotion outside. I'm so sorry, but there's nothing for me to be sorry about. This is an affront to my authority. Both of you recognize Pinky's voice, the compare. Eli might recognize the other voice, also with an accent, but not French. Chester, man, I think we make a great team. If you could just put in a good word I'm I'm trying to listen. Sorry, I'm trying to listen to something. I think something's going down. And I kind of start walking my way closer and closer if I can. Oh, I'm in. Shh, I'm trying. Hobbling along next to you while still trying to put on his boot, he's trying to listen to what you hear. Okay. Oh, man, this is exciting. You got that super hearing. My mama said dogs hear real good. Sick him, Chester. Let's hunt. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, that was pretty good, huh? I didn't really say that you could come, but okay, let's let's go. Okay, Chester and Jimmy are following the voices, which are coming from the animal wagon area. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm a sneaky little shit, and I want to see what's going on, but I don't. I want to do that in a covert manner. Well, of course, I'm going to ask for a stealth roll. Of course. And despite the daylight, you just need a regular success since you have shadow talent. Oh, my God. Fumbled that with a hundred. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. No, no, calm down, Victor. We have a misunderstanding. I did not do anything wrong. I don't know where Lucy is. Look at your shoes, you French fuck. That's blood. And where the fuck do I find you? Ha, that's right. Sneaking around her cage. Now, call me naive. But I think I'm owed some answers. Eli, you've woven yourself through the shadows of the tents and crouched behind one near the animal cages. Watching from your hiding spot, you see a barrel-chested man stripped to the waist grab Pinky by the collar. Yeah! Thinking you can get closer, you make for a stack of feeding crates, but trip over the tent guy line. Sprawling forward, you slam into the bars of the cage. And from inside, you hear the malodorous tortoise. It viciously snaps at the reverberating bars, trying to maul you. 
The two men pause as they watch you write yourself. Ah, oh, Arcanum! What a grand entrance! Save me! Victor slams Pinky into the bars Stop of the, the missing crap. snake's wagon, drops him, and comes for Eli. What is happening? I kind of jump out of from where I'm hiding because at this point, you know, I don't want to like have someone's blood on my hands. What what is happening? Victor stops dead, startled by Chester and Jimmy, who stumbles out behind you howling. Oh! The man scowls at him, and Jimmy reverses course. <laughs> oh, uh, it, it's good seeing everybody, Victor. Uh, I'll catch you later, Chester. Everyone crawling out of their holes this morning. Get the fuck out of here. I'll make you part of my act. I, uh, I'm sorry. Compare, sir. You, you're, you're good? You good? Ah, yes, Chester. I am gravely wounded, but uh, it will take more than this bully to thwart Pinky. He staggers a little, then steads himself on the bars before doubling over to be violently sick. Uh, excuse me, my friend. You seem to be having a problem with my friend Pinky here. May I understand what the concern is? <laughs> this is a private matter between me and the Frenchman. Yes, Eli, we will talk later. I'll be fine. Uh, I'm misunderstanding. Family business. Pinky, if you say that you're all right, I suppose that's fine. Uh, you'll have to excuse me. We're uh, something of the new talent around here. <laughs> talent? <laughs> I've seen your act. <laughs> you won't last here. Victor shakes his head at the two of you, turns, and shoves the compare over into his own vomit as he leaves. Well, excuse you. I'll catch up with you another time, Pinky. Somewhat reluctantly, Eli is going to help Pinky up in like the least effort that one can make while actually helping. Okay, good. I like that you specified that. I want to be very clear about about Eli's whole vibe. <laughs> We may be in trouble, Eli. Big trouble. I think he knows. And what exactly is he mad about? Are you trying to be funny? Is this humor? It's Lucy. Pinky, look at me. You know nothing. You know nothing. Nothing happened, as far as you know. Yes, but the truth burns in my heart like a thousand suns. Okay? Victor has lost his soulmate, but I'm trying. Sincerity will be my downfall. Nothing to worry about, Pinky. Of course, you're right. I have you on my side, Arcanum. The compare writes himself and brushes off his turquoise jacket, noticing Chester. Oh, how are you this fine morning? It is a delight to see you up and about. I'm glad to see you up and about, I guess. I thought maybe you were about to die, so... I guess it's great to see you, too. Ah, yes. Uh, uh, merci. Thank you for intervening. Pinky dabs at his head, wincing. Uh, did I, uh, did I not see you with Jimmy but a moment ago? Did he run off? Victor is rather intimidating, but it is good to see you are making friends, Jester. 
Jimmy and I aren't friends. We're roommates. Yes, soulmates. By the way, we have an excellent breakfast this morning, my friends. You are more than welcome to it. We have fresh eggs, a wild boar sausage, and lashings of butter to spread over warm hot bread. Oh, come, let us fill our bellies at table. He inhales deeply and wrinkles his nose at the musky cages. Leading you away from the animals, Pinky takes you back through the tents to the campfires. There's a queue of performers ladling heaps of food onto their tin plates. Many more already sit at tables woofing down their meal. (laughs) For fuck's sake. (laughs) Eating their meal fast. Is, is, Is Jimmy, like, already sitting at one of the tables? Heading over to the tables, you do find Jimmy. In front of him, already an almost empty plate. He wipes his face on the back of his sleeve and waves as he tries to get Chester's attention. Hey, saved you a spot. Come on. Sorry, Chester. I got scared. And I eat when I'm scared. I knew you'd handle it, though. Uh, who is your friend here? Chester, was it? (laughs) Again, not my friend. This is my tentmate, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy reaches out to Eli to shake hands. And Eli is just going to stare at him for like a full beat and then just say, a pleasure, and not reach his hand out. (laughs) Nice to make your acquaintance. The honor is mine. I like you. And what is it that you do? Oh, what is it I don't do? A little bit of everything. Some juggling, ventriloquism, horticulture, and sharpshooting. Oh, and fire breathing is my current speciality. You know what they say about a jack-of-all-trades? I sure do. Better than a master of one. (laughs) Yeah, best of luck with that. Say, I even do a little magic. I caught part of your act when you shot my wagon. (laughs) You're pretty good, though, I guess. It's just nothing. It's nothing from Eli. He is looking at him, but no response. (laughs) Okay, good. And you're going to notice the compere walking with two other people and pointing to the pots of food. They must be performers from the way they're dressed. Perhaps a gunslinger in a bright vest and cravat, and an acrobat in a flowing skirt with multicolored tassels. Cutting to those two, the compere directs Moni and Patience to the food line, and you'll see three men sitting together at the furthest table from the line. One is most noticeable since he's incredibly hairy. Another is dressed in all black with a long coat and a large top hat. And the third is young, maybe 20 years old, wearing red pajama bottoms and a white shirt. That one's hovering around the hairy guy, who seems aloof. Shall we make some new friends? Yeah, I noticed them too. Let's go have some fun. Wonderful. Patience is going to take their plate and coffee and just mind if I have a seat with my friend here? And Eli looks up and down both of their sort of outfits and everything. I presume that you are new recruits, as it were? It appears so. And he just sort of gestures for them to sit if they like. Patience will take a seat next to Eli. Moni is getting ready to take a seat next to Chester, and she goes, Ah, I forgot my coffee. And then she's going to point right in the face of red pajamas and say, You'll be a darling and go get that from the table, won't you? (laughs) 
Oh, right, yeah, I suppose so. Jimmy Johnson, pleasure to meet y'all. He pounds the table, spilling a bit of Chester's drink as he runs for the coffee. <laughs> Here I come, coffee. And then she's going to immediately slide into his seat. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very good. Jimmy returns quickly with that coffee, frustrated to see Moni in his seat. He pushes his way onto the bench on the other side of Chester, even though there's only about six inches of open seat there. <clears throat> Sorry, uh... I'll just make myself small. Seems like a nice, eager young man. Those are all words. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, everyone. He's uh knows all of our skills and talents himself. <laughs> He's young. He'll learn. Hey, I'm right here. I caught at least the audio of your show last night. Ah. Uh, Seemed to have impressed. Yes, well, it was a bit of a show, if I do say so myself. And then he looks over at Moni and says, And uh, what exactly is your uh, talent that you're bringing to the table? She has both of her hands wrapped around uh, the coffee and she takes a sip and she says, oh, my audition was a striptease. And then she takes a sip of her coffee. <laughs> uh, Eli just sort of nods for a second and then goes ahead and sips back on his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was quite impressive. <laughs> I don't doubt. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Might I ask uh, what y'all's... Uh, particular talents be? I, uh, amaze with the mystical arts. You do what now? Uh, there's sort of a sarcastic smile to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not rightly sure I understand those words. I perform magic tricks. Ah, uh, I see. Are you a priest? I did all right myself for my uh, performance. Well, I'm sorry to have missed it. Patience looks Chester up and down. And uh, what mountain lion coughed you up? Don't talk about my mother like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, I'm sure she was a mighty attractive woman. <laughs> e Eli is now hiding a, a actual laughter behind his <laughs> coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Very good. <laughs> Chester was born in the wilds. You tell him, Chester. Moni is looking Chester up and down, and she's just going to flat out ask, may I touch it? <clears throat> uh, touch what? <laughs> well, this beautiful mane of fur that you have sprouting from you. Sure. So she is going to get up and sit as uncomfortably close to you as possible. Like it's like hip to hip bones are touching. And she's just going to start running her index finger up and down your forearm. My, my, you are strong. All right, that's enough. It's too early for this. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be worse than Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, I better get ready for my act. Sometimes I get sick when I comfort eat like that. Oh, God. Thank you for your help this morning. You've been most kind. Always a pleasure, Jimmy. Oh, sure. I like you, too. 
He gives Chester a playful bump on the shoulder, then works his way around the table. (sighs) It was so good to meet you. Jimmy disappears into a tent. I'll miss him so. Shortly after he goes off, you'll see a different man running from the other direction, from the main road. Eli and Patience see him first from where you're seated. Patience, you'll recognize him as a hobo from the saloon. What? Have you seen the compare? We've got trouble. Back at the railway. There's something going on. Someone's getting stuck. Last I saw him, he was heading that direction. I'll point in the direction Pinky went off. You said somebody's stuck in the rail yard? Moni, you'll know that this is Jesse, who helped with your suitcase and letter. Yeah, I don't know. Mr. Fred just told me to get the compare. Find more help. Something like that. He said someone's stuck in the water stop. Jesse, was Mildred with him? Mildred? No, uh, Milford. Milford. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was Milford with him? Uh, I didn't see Milford. Is he over there? That's your fancy man, right? Yes, that's my that's my rent, correct. Mr. Chester, you say you're a strong man? Well, strong, yes. Strong man, indeed. (laughs) Eloquent, too. (laughs) Sounds like you could be of some assistance if someone's stuck somewhere, don't you think? I could, I could. Kind of grudgingly. And Jesse's off like a dart. He's seen something, and he's running over toward the main cluster of wagons. Patience gets up from the table, and they readjust the rifle on their back, double-check their ammunition for their handguns. Mm -hmm. Well, Ms. Moni, can I offer you a ride? Moni blinks once, twice. Oh, we're going? Uh, sure, please. There's trouble, and I'm headed in that direction. If and you like to come along... I can give you a ride. If not, Rascal and I'll do just fine. I'm vaguely curious now. Eli? Chester? It sounds better to me than waiting around for Jimmy to come back. <laughs> I think I'll uh, go see what, what this is all about as well. Chester just kind of chugs his coffee, which is still pretty hot, and just kind of stands <laughs> up, doesn't say that he's coming or not, and, and just starts trudging his way there. I'll go over to where I've hitched Rascal and jump up on his back and give Moni a hand up like I did the previous day. I suppose we'll catch y'all there in like 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Rascal's a pretty strong horse, but I don't think he can take all four of us. Getting Rascal ready to ride and heading up to the station, Moni and Patience are greeted by a gathering crowd. Well, I don't know about you, Ms. Moni, but I'm going where the trouble is. At least the big trouble. I'm riding you, patient. <laughs> yes, you are. Phrasing. <laughs> Moni, you'll recognize Mr. Friend standing on the train platform. He was the one conversing with Milford two nights ago. It looks like he's orchestrating a group of vagrants to do something. He looks calm and collected. Beyond the chatter on the platform, you hear echoed screaming. Moni, it's going to take a minute, but you'll realize this is Milford's voice. 
Oh God. <laughs> Ms. Mona, you all right back there? It's the meal ticket. He's got himself stuck somewhere. All right. Let's go see if we can find your uh, meal ticket. You can hitch Rascal and walk onto the platform, where Mr. Friend notices you approaching and nods. He's an average man in a three-piece suit, wearing a bowler hat and carrying a walking cane. He's wearing a false smile. Hello. I'm pleased to make your acquaintance. Plumber J. Friend is the name. Patience, Cartwright. Can I be of some assistance? I hear screaming. Oh, yes, the screaming. Did Moni walk up here with Patience? As Patience is beelining towards Mr. Friend, she would have started beelining towards where the screams are coming from. See if she can get eyes on Milfrey. Sure, Moni can walk around the back of the platform toward the tracks. The screaming is coming from an old water stop, one of those towers they use to fill the boilers. The screams are coming from inside the structure. How in the world? The metal cylinder is elevated on wooden stilts, and there's a ladder running up the side, maybe 30 or 40 feet high. This thing probably holds 20,000 gallons of water. Okay, then she'll take to the ladder. Milfred! As Moni climbs the ladder, I'll say Chester and Eli have caught up to Patience, who's mid-conversation with Mr. Friend. You do hear the screaming. Uh, what seems to be the commotion? Uh, how do you do? Plumber J. Friend at your service. We have a situation, I'm afraid. You see, we were attempting to muck out the water stop, clean out the sludge and slime for my employer. I was recruiting local talent to help me with that, and this eager businessman I met in the saloon just two nights ago insisted that he knew how to do it. He took the lead and climbed up straight away. <laughs> Alas, it seems he didn't know what he was doing, and now he's screaming. <laughs> Sounds like we need to pull him out. Well, seems like as though there may be a number of cooks in this kitchen, but I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for the ride, man. Here we go. Let's see what happens. Moni, you're climbing the ladder, and when you get high enough to see over the roofline of the tower, you'll recognize Milford's pants and shoes sticking out of a hatch. He's wedged himself in there somehow. Oh my god. <laughs> That's fantastic. His feet are kicking against the roof, and one of his shoes falls off and rolls down to the lip of the roof and over, almost hitting Chester. She's pinching that spot between her eyes because she's so damn annoyed right now. Milfred, can you hear me? Mil Milfred, please stop. Oh, God, please stop screaming. Milfred! Patience is climbing up the ladder. Bridget, give me a listen roll. Oh, wow, 355, extreme success. Oh, wow. In addition to Milfred screaming, you do hear odd tapping. Something else is moving inside the tower. A lot of somethings. And the rapid tapping is creating these reverberating dings. Oh, that's uncomfortable. 
Uh, so she's actually going to look over down the ladder and say, Patience, we might want to move fairly quickly on this one. And while you do that, I think that all of you now have time to move to this water stop. I mean, yes, I am under there. Yeah, Patience is definitely up there. Have we tried just pulling him out? For his act, Eli has a length of rope. Tie it around Milfred's feet, and then everybody could pull on this rope all at once. I like it. Okay, then I'm going to go up there and tie some rope around his feet. Eli climbs the ladder to join Patience and Moni on the roof of the tower. And you can tie your rope around Milford's legs. Who has good strength? I'm definitely not the highest. I thought you were a strong man. He's a wild man. I have 40 strength. It's certainly not me. <laughs> I have 55. It's Patience. Patience. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Rena, Patience is on the roof of the tower. Eli has tied rope around his legs. And you can give that a pull with a bonus die if you'd like to make an attempt. He's wedged in there pretty good as far as you can tell. I got a critical. Oh, thank goodness. I rolled a one. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Milford screams as you hear limbs twist like wings pulled off of a chicken. There's one last crack as his bones give, and Milford is wrenched out. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Dragged by the foot across the roof, Milford is a mangled, sobbing ruin. <laughs> the scratching from within the open hatch explodes into a torrent of rats pouring out and over Milford and your feet and ankles. Oh, God. Of course you send rats at me is the first thing again. I'm going to need a sanity roll as the vermin start to rain down on the gathered crowd. Oh! And the bystanders join Milford in his screams, his bloody hand grasping for you, Moni, from beneath the tide. Wow! I had a hard success. I failed. Moni failed. I succeeded 39 under 70. Eli and Patience won't lose any sanity. Chester, give me a D4 for your loss. Okay. It's a two. What's your involuntary reaction to seeing this plague of rats fall from the sky? You're down below and Chester hasn't seen the body yet. <laughs> it was not what I was expecting. And I think I'm trying to get out at this point in kind of a... A hurried state, but I know I like. There's no way I can. So I'm just kind of. Are we seeing you on all fours already? (laughs) Chester involuntarily does run around uh, the water stop on all fours. (laughs) Do we need to get Chester a thunder shirt? Just sort of soothe him. Yeah. (laughs) Now, because Moni had a relationship to Milford, I'm going to ask for a D6. Yeah. She's going to hit a whopping six on this one, babe. Damn it, I think she made the int. Yep, she made that int. We have our first bout of madness in the whole game. Ha ha! Moni might be racked with guilt. You were pretty dismissive about his plight, 
but he's being attacked by dozens of rats. You can save him, Moni. Uh, that is perfect for her. That is definitely about a madness for her. You all watch in shocked horror as Milford's body rolls off the edge, plummeting to the ground 30 feet below, missing Chester by a hair. (laughs) Okay, so then she's about a madness. She's just going to jump. Oh, wow. That's a long way down. Okay, so you throw yourself down after Milford, taking three damage, a sprained ankle as you drop onto Milford's unmoving body. Tears are running down her face. She's muttering again and again. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, my goodness. What did I do? What did I get you into? And this is just reckless abandon where she's just trying to backhand rats away as she falls to her knees where she can hopefully get her arms up underneath Milford and just kind of pull him out of this high traffic area out of this swarm, which means she's going to be in it, too. The rats are fighting for their lives here. They tangle in your hair. They bite at your arms as this goes on. Oh, fair. They're biting as you're digging through, looking for Milford. And that's three more hit points. Ooh, taken. Patience and Eli, you're witnessing this from the roof of the water stop. And the rats are collecting around your ankles before they drop off the tower. Can I try and sharpshoot some of them? Mm. If I shoot a couple of them, hopefully the noise will scatter them enough that we can grab Milford and get out. The volume of rats around Milford is incredible, but I'll certainly let you try. There are rats everywhere. I'm going to try and shoot ones that are close to him, but not on him. So I'm going to flick back my long coat, and in one smooth movement, I'm going to fire off three shots. You have rapid fire as a pulp talent, so take three shots with no penalty. Mm Mm-hmm. Nice. Extreme success on the first one. Okay. Success on the second. Fail, but not a fumble on the third. The first two shots blast holes in the rat swarm, and they scatter. The first one is impale, so you get max damage plus a regular damage roll. So 21 on the first one. Mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> uh, and then a further four on the second success. So that's 25 damage in total. Everyone sees an explosion of rats. Moni is <laughs> splashed with blood and rodent parts. That extreme shot from Patience does create a clearing in the rats around Moni and Milford. And there's an opening at the bottom of the ladder if Eli and Patience would like to scramble down. But there still are rats attacking Milford's body. Then I'm going to reach down, and since I'm the strongest person in this group somehow, (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) grab Milford and try and drag him up, yelling at Moni so we can try and get him to the horse and get him away from these rats. And I'm going to be helping try and pull Milford out of this pile. (laughs) I want both of you, Eli and Patience, to make luck rolls as you're pulling Milford from the pile. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course. I got involved, so it's got to be a luck roll. Well, your luck's still good, right? No, it's not, but I got a hard success. Nice. Luck is my worst stat, and I failed. Patience is going to suffer rat bites. They are painful. That's three hit points of damage. Mm -hmm. Eli manages to avoid the biting. 
He's just good with his hands. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> It'll come up later. <laughs> Chester also takes damage running wildly through the rats, especially as the ones patients scattered run toward you in a frenzy. No. And it's another three hit points. <laughs> Down on all fours, Chester takes bites on the hands and feet. Hooray. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so no more running on all fours. Rats continue to clear the area, spreading like a flood across the train station and probably junction proper. <gasps> we need to get him to the doctor. Okay, I'm going to attempt to administer some first aid to Milford. Does this look like it has a chance of helping or is he like dead, dead? Eli, you turn Milford over, finding a grisly mess where his face should be. Oh boy. Movement in his jaw might surprise you, and you lean in to listen. But the only thing to crawl out from his torn lips is a rat slick with blood. Ugh. He is certainly dead. Am I not going to learn anything about my future? Oh, patience. <laughs> I nearly forgot you were here. The disrespect! Rather easy to overlook. <laughs> yes. Your future. Her hands play across the crystal ball as she closes her eyes and murmurs to herself. With a sharp intake of air, her eyes fly open. You are connected to many names and wear many faces through time and tide. I see Isabel and Mrs. Wilkerson. Wait, a man shouts, Wilkinson. Yes, they are near to us. And Detective Max Hammett, who seems to be running behind. <laughs> Ah, across the sea, the disarming Irene, vexed by two handsome men with foolproof plans. You refuse these ideas, but you should embrace them as gifts. Pims! Pims! A little bit late for that, if you don't mind me saying. But uh, appreciate the advice. Wait, wait. I see another... Nevada Jones? No. You? <laughs> what? <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, uh, can I get an autograph? Oh, could you, uh, could you sign this? Here. Oh, <laughs> let me wipe off that blood. <laughs> Here. Nevada Jones. Just like that. Ah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, okay. Uh, perhaps omit this part if you speak to the professor. My lips are sealed. Huh. And who the hell is Lady Elizabeth? Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening to Ain't Slayed Nobody. For ad-free episodes, lots of bonus content, and special programming, please join our Wolf Pack at patreon.com slash ain't slayed. Or subscribe to Ain't Slayed Nobody Plus at Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show more than becoming a subscriber. See our show notes for full credits, and help us grow by posting friendly reviews and spreading the word to your friends and followers. Thank you, and good luck out there.